Um, Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Take a look at a variety of things. We're going to talk. Surprise. We're talking soybeans today, a big portion of this and what the potential is for this crop. But there's a little added nugget, shall we say, because it's something that's been happening in China. And does this mean the possibility? And maybe that's why we're seeing some more purchases uh, of crops, uh, product that is coming out of China, purchasing from the U.S. is what I'm trying to say. And then South America, planting is officially underway there. On livestock side, we'll kind of look at some kind of discerning news. Uh, One out of six restaurants are failing nationally. So what is that going to mean to our livestock industry? And the man of the hour with all the information going to answer all these questions is Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with StoneX. And Arlen, a variety of different things we're going to talk about, but so much of it, the caveat is it all comes together. And it seems to be surrounding what's going on in the soybeans. It really does. And the funds love trading soybeans through the long side or ownership. They love the volatility of soybeans. They haven't had a lot of opportunities in recent years to really chase that market higher. We pushed up to levels that we haven't seen for the nearby contract uh, for at least two years, more than two years now, and uh, seen some values above $10 on the board. That's got a lot of people excited. If you look at the various commodities in agriculture, None of them would I consider to have bullish fundamentals, but all of them have improving fundamentals virtually and uh, some opportunities that they may get better. And among those, soybeans is probably the one that it would be easiest to push into a bullish scenario. We're not there yet, but the funds are just kind of licking their chops and salivating over the possibilities of that happening. For that to happen, we probably need to see even greater demand from China confirmed at some point, along with um, declining production estimates. The USDA cut its yield estimate for soybeans last week to 51.9 bushels per acre. That's still a record yield, but the expectation in the trade is that that number will continue to fall. So if we get that demand continuing to come from China, and that's still a question mark, and declining production, we actually could see some fireworks in soybeans, and that's why the funds all want to have some ownership in there, just in case that does happen. Well, looking at what's been going on in the soybeans, the potential that's there for the crop, I know that there's been, and I think you and I um, talked about this leading into the WASD report, and I guess what I was surprised about is there wasn't that kind of scream of a misunderstanding or not believing what those numbers said on Friday for this crop. I think folks are kind of following along and saying, yep, this is what we see. This is what we've got. Let's get the combines in the field. Yeah, truly so. And and there are some problems. We are getting some early harvest results in there, and we're seeing some that are just very impressive yields. And in some areas where August was particularly dry, where we're seeing some really disappointing yields. Um, not None of that's a surprise. All of it's been factored into this point. Um, and so we'll see where we go from here. I, I think the bigger question is what's going to happen to the demand. Is China simply front-loading purchases to bridge the gap uh, to Brazil? What is it, the actual extent of demand from China? Uh, and, and I think that in the longer term is going to be the real question. They've been crushing better than uh, close to 75, 70 to 75 million bushels 
per week in China. Can they sustain demand for that with their hog numbers still being down but rising? And uh, and I think there's some interesting dynamics around that that offer some hope and encouragement. Well, and that, you and I were talking about that before we went on the air, the fact that uh, waste, food waste, is no longer going to really be an option for pork producers in China. Absolutely. And if you look at the makeup of the hog industry in China prior to African swine, swine fever, I think it's hard for us to comprehend how much of the swine debt diet was made up of food waste. The Chinese culture loves to have extravagant meals. Restaurants are known for sitting way more food in front of you than what you could ever eat. Um, Then that food would go out the back door, but it was usually gathered and sent to local hog farms that would feed it. That provided maybe half of the ration. Well, now that's been banned because it's seen as a possible source of spread of ASF. And so as they rebuild the hog herd, that takes a a much faster increase in growth in the demand for corn and for soybeans, or soy meal, actually, and therefore soybeans. So even though we still feel like their hog numbers are down close to 30% from where they were pre-ASF, actual feed number, together with growth in their poultry demand uh, feeding, um, is getting back up to where it was pre-ASF and rapidly growing. So that offers some optimism to help keep up with the expansion of production in the Western Hemisphere. Does that just add some extra competition, though, for, for us here in the States? When we see an increase in production in poultry and we know that the, the hogs are still there and need to be fed. Yeah, people are eating. They're still importing record amounts of meat. They are the world's largest population, although India is about to overtake them. Um, and uh, they love their meat, and they want it. And uh, so it is opportunity, um, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have our lion's share of that demand, although it's becoming increasingly challenging with currency exchange rates the way they are. It makes it very easy for Brazil to be the low-cost producer and be able to undercut us, which, again, brings back the question, you have total demand, and then you have what share of that total demand is China going to be coming to us about? And and that has big implications for how high these prices can go or not. Definitely going to make for some interesting times coming up for the soybean market. It certainly will, and the funds love the volatility, and looks like volatility will be with us, and that means in both directions. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we are going to talk about South America as planting is now officially underway, and then on the consumption side of this livestock, everything that's been happening here in the States, how is that going to affect what we see movement of Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Arlen Suderman, Arlen is with Stonex. So planting in South America, kind of explain for folks that maybe not understand, there is a certain date they can't plant before in South America, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And that's mainly because there's so much of a monoculture in parts of Brazil that they want to um, have a break in the cycle, so to speak, and not have soybeans year-round in in the environment that they're in to reduce disease and pest problems. And so they have to have a break and cannot have any soybeans growing during the winter months in South America, in Brazil. Um, And they can start planting again on September 15th. 
And so and that's in most areas of Brazil, not all areas, but most of the main production areas. So yesterday was the day they could start planting again. The problem is they're still dry. This is also the time when their dry season tends to start ending. Well, that's lingering longer this year. And so the question now is when will the rains return to the major production areas so that they can have enough moisture to start planting soybeans? Um, with the La Nina pattern we're in, that tends to be a little bit later. Dry season goes a little bit longer. And then Brazil tends to have good rains after that. And Argentina becomes the focus of dryness as we get into November and beyond. Um, so far, we're very dry in Argentina. Um, forecasters think that we'll have a little bit of a reprieve in October, although confidence is low in that right now. And they expect the rains to start in Brazil sometime in early October. Now, production isn't expected to be hurt by the delayed planting. In fact, if you delay those plantings in October, history tells us you'll probably get higher yields. Um, what becomes a concern is the safrina corn, which makes up about three-fourths of their corn production and most of their exportable supplies, they need to get that planted by about the 1st of March so that the corn is, goes reproductive before the dry season returns once again in May and June. And so if their soybeans are delayed planting, that delays the harvest of the soybeans and narrows the window for getting that corn planted can oftentimes result in lower corn yields on lower acreage. So that's the primary concern there. It also delays the opportunity to get soybeans shipped to China to meet the new contracts and extends our export season as well. So the, when the rains come to Brazil, will have a big impact most likely on our export soybean export season and potentially on our corn market a year from now. And so that's why we're keeping a close eye on when those rains do return. Have you heard any discussion as to what those numbers might be for acres or just going to plan with what we've been hearing the rumors of large quantities? Yeah, basically we're looking for a couple percent or two to three percent increase in area of soybeans um, and um, good yields overall, which tends to happen in La Nina years for Brazil. But we could have a real short crop. La Nina tends to give us short crops in Argentina. Now, Argentina is primarily an exporter of soy meal and soy oil, so that could be good support for our domestic crush industry as we get more export demand for our products. So that could add more demand to our soybean balance sheet. So a lot of dynamics at play and another reason for the funds to be involved in the soybean market. Well, I wish we had some, some good news when we talk about this next subject on the livestock side. One in six restaurants are failing nationally. The next six months don't look good either, which means it's not good for the proteins. Yeah, absolutely. A National Restaurant Association that's saying, as you indicated, one in six has closed permanently over the last six months. Forty percent of those remaining don't believe they'll survive another six months without additional government assistance with the restrictions we have due to COVID. And that's a big portion of our demand for meat. And meat usage at a restaurant and food service tends to be higher than if it's at home. 
And uh, so we need to have those restaurants and food services operational. And, but that's one of the concerns going forward is being able to maintain this demand. We started our big exports to China in kind of late October of last year, and we've been strong overall in exports. We've seen that those shipments to China start to slow just a bit. They are still strong, but we're running risk that here soon they'll be below year-ago levels. And uh, so some of the emotion and the momentum behind supporting the demand for pork is waning a little bit. And uh, even with the uh, African swine fever in Germany, which is now, I think, at five cases overall in wild boars, uh, we're still not seeing an increase in demand for U.S. pork. And I got the trade a little bit nervous today. Very much so. Well, thanks, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? At stonex.com or over on Twitter, my handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. And just a reminder, folks, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. You can check this out as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe and on Spotify as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.